0: Dear Lord, I pray this morning that your word will be in my heart and in my thoughts and on my lips so that I can do justice to the truth of the gospel message. I want to talk about something pretty challenging this morning. Um, and, And that is the extent to which we might be living our Christian life as a pale shadow of what it should really be. And this is probably a good time of the year to reflect on that, because we've got all this stuff about Christmas. Uh, You know, the Christmas tree, which we 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 put the tree up last week, or decorated the tree last week, all the stuff about gifts and presents are the table that we've just set and the food that we're going to be enjoying on Tuesday. And for a lot of people in our society, that's what Christmas is. It's these things, you know? And as Bernie's been trying to say (laughs) last week and this week, and we keep bumping him off, don't we? What Bernie's trying to say is, these things, these are not the real thing. They're just a pale shadow And I want to take you to this verse in in Colossians. Uh, Paul is talking about all the old rules and old rituals that the people of the nation of Israel had adopted. And he says, in the past, these things were like a shadow that showed what was coming. But the new things that were coming are found in Christ. Now. We already have Christ you know Christ came to earth to bring salvation and that's the very thing that we are celebrating at this time of the year at Christmas and yet for most people in our society it's the shadow the pale shadow that they focus their attention on and not the message of the gospel not the reason why Jesus came And I just want to talk about that some more. Because when when I talk about a pale shadow, I'm sitting somewhere in between darkness and light, aren't I? A pale shadow is, it's not bright sunlight, it's not darkness, it's something in between. And the ideas of darkness and light are common themes throughout the New Testament in particular. And we'll see some of those uh, as we work through this. But think about a pale shadow for a moment. What causes a pale shadow? A A lack of light. An artificial light, for example. You know, like a torch will throw a pale shadow compared to the sun. What about light reflected off something else like the moon the sunlight reflected off the moon and who's been out on a clear night with a full moon and seen a shadow yeah so the reflected light of the sun off the moon does throw a shadow but it's a pale shadow and the other situation is where the sunlight is obscured by a cloud and only some of the light gets through and on a cloudy day you will still throw a shadow, but it's a pale shadow. And my point here is that if we are seeing a pale shadow, we're not in the full sunlight. And we think about Christmas and the pale shadow that is represented by the tree and the presents and the fancy table setting and the food and even the fact of the family gathering together and all those things, they are a pale shadow shadow of what Christmas is all about and it's really important for us as followers of Jesus to remember that and to really focus on Christmas as the thing that celebrates the birth of Jesus and all that the birth of Jesus signifies now at the time that Jesus was born the nation of Israel was desperately waiting for a king. They'd been waiting for centuries for a king. And when you look at the scriptures, you see evidence of this. And they knew these scriptures. They knew these prophetic words about this king who was going to come. But what they were expecting was a king who would... um, re-establish the nation of israel draw everyone together re-establish the throne defeat all the other nations in the world and make them all subject to the nation of israel under its new king that's what they were expecting you know and they read scriptures like this in psalm 2 and this one in zechariah this is where they got their picture of who the king was going to be and what he would look like their expectations were all about this kind of king a pale shadow of who Jesus really is Jesus is a king of course but the the truth of the gospel rests in the spiritual dimension and they were looking for someone who would be a king in the physical physical dimension re-establish this awesome nation of Israel as it had been in the days of David and Solomon. Now, the really weird thing is that the scriptures included some very specific prophecies about the birth of Jesus. There they are up on the, up on the um, screen. He will be born of a virgin. He will be called Emmanuel. He will be from the family of David and he'll be born in Bethlehem. They had these four very specific clues about who Jesus was, where he was going to be born. Now it's estimated that there were between 200 and 400 million people on earth at the time that Jesus was born and up to Four million of those were people who identified as being part of the nation of Israel, scattered throughout the Middle East. And the tragedy is that most of the four million people of the nation of Israel who were waiting desperately for this king and who had these four clues about his birth, missed it. They didn't didn't get it. It happened, and they missed it. Even though it was the one thing they were waiting for above all else, and even though they had these clues, they missed it. How many people actually got it at the time? Not very many. There they are. I don't know how many shepherds there were, but all up, counting all those others, possibly a couple of dozen people got it. They knew exactly what had happened they knew that this baby that had been born in a manger in Bethlehem was the king that they'd been waiting for no one else got it and we look at Jesus life you know as a 12 year old or thereabouts in the temple um, questioning and answering with the scribes and people were impressed by how clever he was that doesn't mean they knew who he was. They were just, oh, he's a smart young fella. He'll go far. They didn't get it, did they? When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, you know, and there's a voice from heaven this is my son, the one I love. I am very pleased with him. Not many people got it. A few did. Not many. Throughout his uh, ministry life, all the miracles, the, the demonstrations of God's power that he gave through all the healing, the knowledge he displayed through his teaching, the examples of his own life, a small group of people started following him and started to understand that this was someone special and had some inkling of who he was. But read the Gospels, not that much, you know? And when Jesus was um, imprisoned and under trial, even Peter was not prepared to risk his life by saying, "Mm, yep, that's me, I, I know this guy, you're right, I've been with him. Even Peter, who'd been so close to Jesus and said these things that showed his understanding of who Jesus was, was growing When it came to the crunch, I don't know him. You know, he was too frightened. He wasn't sufficiently on board with who Jesus was to stand up and say, yep, I'm with him. Do what you must, but I'm with him. On the cross, one of the other criminals worked out who he was. There's the soldier. Surely this man was the Son of God. He got it. Not many people did. They had an incomplete understanding of who Jesus was. Certainly not complete enough to actually step forward and proclaim it. Now that changed. Why did it change? When did it change? At Pentecost. The power of the Holy Spirit. You know, even when Jesus spoke to his followers immediately before he went back up into heaven, this is in Matthew's Gospel, the 11 followers went to Galilee, chapter 28 verses 16 and 17, immediately before the verses we know of as the Great Commission. The 11 followers went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. On the mountain, the followers saw Jesus. They worshipped him. But some of the followers did not believe that it was really Jesus. What? (laughs) That's extraordinary. You know, they knew he'd been raised from the dead. They'd all seen him. And he'd called them to this meeting on the mountain. He'd shown up. And even then, some of the followers did not believe that it was really Jesus. And as I said, it all changed at Pentecost. You know, when the Holy Spirit brought a boldness to those who knew Jesus. And they spoke the gospel truth at all costs. You know, Peter, as we know, don't know him, not me, wasn't me. And here he is boldly proclaiming the truth of the gospel to crowds of people empowered by the Holy Spirit. And over the years that followed, many lost their lives for speaking and holding to the gospel truth. Now, you don't lose your life for a pale shadow. You know, they were fully committed. They were fully committed by then. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit that made the difference. And millions upon millions upon millions of people have heard the gospel truth since those days and have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. But, listen to this. This is from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. Everyone must die once then they are judged. That's all of us. So Christ was offered as a sacrifice one time to take away the sins of many people. And we're celebrating his birth, his coming to earth for that purpose at Christmas time. And he will come a second time, but not to offer himself for sin. He will come the second time to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's us. He will come a second time to bring our salvation, to take us with him to heaven for eternity. So we are living in the in-between times between his first coming and his second coming. And there are plenty of pale shadows to distract us and to distract others from the light of Jesus. And the question I want to ask this morning is how then should we live in these between times with an abundance of pale shadows to distract and confuse us? It's an absolutely critical question. What's the population of the world today, roughly? Seven, billion. Seven and a half billion? And something just shy of 30% of the people on the planet today. would, if, if you were doing a survey, they'd put a little tick in the box that said Christian. Something less than 30%. In Australia, with a population of about 25 million, 30% in the last census, 2016, ticked the box that said No religion. ticked various other religions, and 60% ticked Christian. That sounds pretty good. However, of the 60% that call themselves Christian, only one in seven regularly attend church. So you could say that of the 60, 52% are inactive Christians, And 8% are active Christians. 8% of the whole population of Australia. And there's not even any particular guarantee that people that go to church regularly aren't attracted to a pale shadow of the real thing and the real gospel message. That's certainly a possibility. Now, I'm not talking to that 52% (laughs) because they're not here. You are. I'm talking to you. And we number ourselves in the 8% who regularly attend church. And I just want to caution everyone here, including myself, about the danger of being attracted to a pale shadow or allowing a pale shadow to interfere with the full sunlight of who Jesus is and why he came and what he wants to do for us and the time he wants to spend with us. It is so important... And it is, I know, very easy to be distracted by the pale shadow. Listen to what John says in his first letter. Chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Don't love this evil world or the things in it. If you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. This is all there is in the world... Wanting to please our sinful selves, wanting the sinful things we see, and being too proud of what we have. Lust, greed, and pride. But none of these comes from the Father. They come from the world. None of them come from the Father. No part of any of them come from the Father. They come from the world. The world is passing away and all the things that people want in the world are passing away. But whoever does what God wants will live forever. Whoever does what God wants will live forever. Now that begs a question, doesn't it? What does God want? Well, read the scriptures. What God wants is revealed to us in the scriptures, And here's a couple of examples. Micah chapter 6, verse eight. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does He want of you? To act justly, and to love mercy and to walk? Humbly with your God. These, these are three things. This is a, a simple verse that you can imprint on your mind and just use as a daily check as you go about your daily life. Am I acting justly? Am I treating others with justice? Am I showing Mercy to others. You know, people people do stuff all the time that in some way offends me or cheats me or whatever. Do I respond out of mercy? I should, because that's what God wants of me. And to walk humbly with your God. Now, I have to tell you, This is, of those three things, this is probably the one that I struggle with the most. You know, that old pride gets going. It's not difficult to be proud. Not at all. And I have to constantly kind of come back to this and and ask myself and challenge myself, am I truly behaving with humility? Because part of me likes this stuff. You know, part of me likes being the guy that's at the front, you know, with the lights on and the voice and the things to say, it's... It's very easy for pride yes, it is. to get to work. Now, that's just my struggle, if you like. I've had others... I have others. But I'm I'm just conscious of that and I have to come back to it all the time. Am I acting out of pride or am I acting humbly? And I just want to challenge, gently challenge each person here to come back to these things all the time. Am I acting justly? Am I showing mercy? Am I walking humbly with my God? Here's another one. Very familiar to most of us. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20. Remember the question? What does God want us to do? So he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. So go and make followers of all people in the world. Now there's a word in here that we, I just, I just sort of glossed over it very quickly there. The word was so, <laughs> so. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. So, because I have the authority, I can tell you this. This is what Jesus is saying. So, go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptise them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have told you to do. You can be sure that I will be with you always. I will continue with you until the end of time. Now, in a world where 70% of the 7.5 billion people don't know enough to be able to call themselves Christians, and in a country where 92% of the people don't regularly attend church, even though a fair chunk of them would tick that Christian box on the survey, we've got a lot to do. Each one of us, you know, I'm not just talking to the adults in here, I'm talking to everybody here. We have got a lot to do and it's what God wants us to do, to share what we know about Jesus with those who don't know him. Those who've only sort of started to get an inkling, well we need to help them to complete their understanding of who Jesus is. Part of the message, I dare say, for many of us in um, endeavouring to share the gospel message with others, is John chapter 3, verse 16. Most of us would have learnt this as children, as as a memory verse. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him would not be lost, but have eternal life. Now, how many of us read the rest of that passage? There's some really interesting stuff in here. You can't see it up there probably because I tried to fit it all on and it's fairly small. But listen to this. God sent his son into the world. He did not send him to judge the world guilty, but to save the world through him. People who believe in God's son are not judged guilty, but people who do not believe are already judged because they have not believed in God's only Son. They are judged by this fact. The light has come into the world. But they did not want light, they wanted darkness, because they were doing evil things. Everyone who does evil hates the light. They will not come to the light, because the light will show all the bad things they have done. But anyone who follows the true way comes to the light. Then the light will show that whatever they have done was done through God. You know, even people who start to get an inkling that there's something not right about the way they're living their life. And that, and that God can show them how to live their life and how to deal with the sin in their life and so on. Even when they start to get an inkling of that, there's this shame not wanting the light shining into their light and revealing into their life and revealing what's there, you know. And even in that situation, they would choose darkness. It's, it's a tragedy. But our job is to help them step into the light, knowing that that's that's a big step, and people are going to be afraid of it, and they they don't want to feel that shame. Their pride is holding them back, saying, Mm-mm. "You know, don't I don't want my." sin revealed to the world by that light i'd rather stay here in the darkness that's what's going on and i want to say something else about this too there's a lot in here about light and darkness nothing it doesn't say anything about pale shadows does it you know it's this or that and i just want to suggest that when it comes to this or that the day of judgment pale shadow is not like darkness no light yes Pale shadow, maybe. We'll see. It's not like that. Pale shadow equals darkness. We really need to understand that. And you'll meet plenty of people who have some degree of profession of faith and whatever, but they haven't, they're not standing in the full sunlight, in the full light of Christ. They're going with some sort of pale shadow of what the truth of the gospel message really is. Well, my understanding of the scriptures, when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, etc., pale shadow is darkness. And we've got a lot of work to do to help people cross into full sunlight, into the full light of the gospel truth, and not to be satisfied with some pale shadow. You know, plenty of the people that tick that box that says Christian, they're ticking the box because... Yeah, I know all about this Christmas stuff, and that's when little baby Jesus was born. Therefore, I'm a Christian. That's that's an example of a pale shadow. So those are the choices. You know, there's light, there's darkness, there's the pale shadow, and most people probably line up. There's not many people who are truly evil. There's plenty of people who are living with a pale shadow. I just want to finish with two scriptures that talk about the second coming of Jesus and how we should be prepared for that and talk a lot about light and darkness. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. And really, I'd suggest to people, read the whole chapter, in fact, read the whole letter to the Thessalonians, first letter. But chapter 5 is is right on this stuff. Now, brothers and sisters, we don't need to write to you about times and dates. You know, a lot of the speculation about the second coming of Jesus is when's it going to happen. We don't need to worry about that at all. You know very well that the day when the Lord comes again will be a surprise, like a thief who comes at night. People will say, we have peace, we're safe... And at that time, destruction will come to them quickly, like the pains of a woman giving birth. And those people will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not living in darkness. And so that day will not surprise you like a thief. We don't want to be surprised when Jesus returns. Now, what does surprised mean? Uh, Oh, you're here, I'm not ready yet. That's surprise, isn't it? We do not want to be surprised like that. Surprise is, you open the door, who are you? We don't want to be like that either. You know, we don't want any of those kinds of unpleasant surprises. We want to be ready. And being ready means living in the light, not in the darkness and not in the pale shadow. You are all people who belong to the light, you belong to the day, we don't belong to the night or to darkness, and may I add, or to pale shadows. We belong to the light. Now I'm not going to go on, but there's a few other verses in this um, Chapter 5 of Thessalonians. 16, always be full of joy. Now I've shared before, joy is something that I don't feel bubbling out of me. That's a challenge for me too. What does that mean and how do I find it? Always be full of joy. Verse 17, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Children of the light... Never stop praying. It is so important. Now, I took more than 50 years of my life before I realised just how important this is. And I have been told many, 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 many times. But the earlier we get this, the earlier we get the importance of praying and not ever stopping praying, the better. Verse 18, always be thankful. You know, thanking God for what he's done for us. Always be thankful. Verse 19, don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit. So this, this, this chapter 5 of Thessalonians actually tells us quite a few things about what we ought to do as people who are living in, In the light and not in the darkness not in the pale shadows but i want to look at um, 2nd peter chapter 3 verses 10 to 18 because this is where the big challenge is and i said i had a big challenge for us all this morning it's in this passage and it starts similarly to the passage that we just looked at but the day when the lord comes again will surprise everyone like the coming of a thief the sky will disappear with a loud noise. Now remember when Jesus came the first time, plenty of people missed it. You know, they had these four clues about what was, where it was going to happen and everything. They didn't join the dots. They didn't get it. No one's going to be able to ignore this. No one. They might not know what happened, but they'll know something big happened. Something pretty important happened. The sky just disappeared. (laughs) Everything in the sky will be destroyed with fire. And the earth and everything in it will be burned up. Now, if any of this is a surprise to you when it happens, it's too late. Being ready means understanding what's going on. If we don't get it, it's too late. Everything will be destroyed in this way. So what kind of people should you be? Another challenging question. What kind of people should you be? If you're living in the light, what does that mean? Well, your lives should be holy and devoted to God. Now again, remember the Micah challenge, those three things? Here's another challenge. Every day, is my life holy? Big challenge. You know, in what ways am I living my life that don't reflect the holiness of God? Big challenge. And I, that's not something I'm very good at, you know. I'm only talking about myself here. Being holy is not that easy for me. But I have to choose to step out in holiness. And that means sometimes I have to recognise something that's not holy and deliberately choose to turn away from it, to turn the television off, whatever it might be, to look the other way when a pretty girl walks past on the street, whatever it might be. You know, it's, it's not easy to bite my tongue on that thing I was about to say in response to something someone else, you know. If I let that out of my mouth, which I have to confess often happens, that's not being holy. This is a daily, hour by hour, minute by minute challenge for every single one of us to be holy and to be devoted to God now, what does being devoted to God mean? Listen to verse 12. You should be looking forward to the day of God, wanting more than anything else for it to come soon. There's the big challenge. Can, we, can any of us really, truly say that what we want more than anything else else is for Jesus to return tomorrow. Well, forget about tomorrow, this afternoon. Now how many things would we line up ahead of that, oh, whoa, well, 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 not, whoa, not, whoa, not, not, not yet. You know, there's these other things I'd like to get done first. You know, I want to finish my degree, or school, I want to get married and have a family. I want to see my four children come to know the Lord before Jesus returns. I do. Many of us would share that thought, I'm sure. But that's not what it says here. What this tells me is that I need to find that place where what I want more than anything else is for Jesus to return soon. Yeah. This afternoon. Now, I've, I have actually had a degree of success in stepping into this place, of wanting more than anything else to be with Jesus in heaven. I won't tell the whole story now, but I... I now have a much, much better understanding of what that feels like and what that means for me than at any other time in my life. It's a surrender to Jesus and a desire above all else for an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's a big, big thing and I I actually do feel that now. But these are very challenging words. And the space that I'm now in with that feeling that the thing I want more than anything else is to be with Jesus for eternity, this burden on my heart for my children coming to know the Lord, that's in God's hands, you know? And, and, and by in saying all I want more than anything else is to be with you, Jesus, for eternity, I'm also handing that over to him, you know? And we've got this stuff about careers and marriage and family life and and success and all those things and the big holiday that we've been working for all our life. You know, I want to have that holiday before. All of that stuff, when we truly surrender by saying that what I want more than anything else is to be with you, Jesus, for eternity now. All that other stuff gets handed over to him. And he, he offers to take it. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but that's the position, that's me being ready. Me being ready is me saying that's what I want more than anything else in the world. And, And what I found myself praying when I had this conversation with God about surrendering to him in this way, what I found myself praying then was, but if not now, if it's not happening right now or this afternoon or tomorrow, then God, I'm yours. Whatever it is that you have for me to do, in the meantime, I'll do it. That is standing in the full light of Christ. Totally surrendered to who he is, what he wants me to do for him. Totally surrendered to being with him for eternity. And everything else follows. And if you do anything else, you've got some pale shadow of the real thing between you and the full light of Christ. So, I, it's from the scriptures. You know? It's not from me as Michael would. I believe God really wants to challenge us about this verse in particular, that we should want more than anything else for the day of God to come soon. Put that first. That's a challenge. God made a promise to us and we are waiting for what he promised. A new sky and a new earth. That will be the place where goodness lives. Dear friends, we are waiting for this to happen. So try as hard as you can to be without sin and without fault. Try to be at peace with God, Now, can I be bold enough to suggest that if you don't feel at peace with God, you're not, you haven't quite got this right yet. Can I be bold enough to suggest that? Because we should try to be at peace with God. And if we are truly desiring to be with him above all else, and soon, that's a place of peace. That is a place of perfect peace peace. So if there's anything in you that's not feeling that peace, I just want to challenge you to reflect on this idea, reflect on this passage of scripture and think about what it would mean for you to want more than anything else for the day of God to come soon. What would that mean for you? And I hope and pray that on that journey you will find peace. And then you'll know. You know, you know that peace, you know you're standing in the full light of Christ. If, if, if what you've been drawn to and signed up for is a pale shadow, you won't feel that peace. And if you don't feel that peace, I'm not judging anyone when I say this, I'm just encouraging you, if you don't feel that peace... Then study the scriptures, pray and see what will it take in your life and the way you think about yourself and the world, what will it take for you to get to this point where what you want more than anything else is for the day of God to come soon. Remember that we are saved because our Lord is patient. Our dear brother Paul has told us the same thing when he wrote to us with the wisdom that God gave him. So Peter's referring to all the letters that Paul's written. That's what he says, what Paul says in all his letters, when he writes about these things. There are parts of his letters that are hard to understand. Amen? There are parts of Paul's letters that are hard to understand, and some people give a wrong meaning to them. These people are ignorant and weak in faith, They also give wrong meanings to the other scriptures, but they are destroying themselves by doing that. Now, I don't want to major on this part of this passage, but I do just want to make the point that there's a lot of false teaching around, and we need to be diligent in studying the scriptures prayerfully and praying for the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to us, because false teaching is a pale shadow. It's not the full truth. And it can hold us back from where we need to be, standing in the full light of Christ. Dear friends, you already know about this. So be careful. Don't let these evil people lead you away by the wrong they do, the false teaching. Be careful that you do not fall from your strong faith. I'm just encouraging you to make your strong faith stronger. This is me, that's not what's in. <laughs> I'm encouraging you, make your strong faith stronger by finding that place where what you want more than anything else is for the day of God to come soon. And as you do that, this is my prayer for you, echoing Peter's last verse of this passage: "Grow in the grace. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Glory be to him now and forever. Amen.